All right, we want to welcome everybody back as we continue our communal journey, our communal pilgrimage on Jesus' way of the cross. And we're approaching today um, one of the most mysterious, the most mysterious claim at the heart of Christianity, the most mysterious claim at the heart of any religion, I think, is the fact that God in his human nature, his human body and his human soul has died. Um, and we said numerous times throughout these stations that sometimes the words that we hear, images that we see the most often, that become normal to us. But I don't want us to miss the gravity of what we're exploring here that the weight of Good Friday actually brings, that God, human body and his human soul has separated. There has been death. Um, And so we're going to be praying with John chapter 19, Psalm chapter 118, in order to break this fully open. And we'll get into a little bit of theological elements as this, as well as simple spiritual elements to invitation to prayer. But the first thing that I want to highlight for us today is this first line in John chapter 19, which is, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished. Of course, John 19 is like the most robust description of the crucifixion in any of the Gospels. But that one line, knowing that all is now finished, really made me stop in my tracks kind of as I approached this. And I don't know that I weighed out the full gravity of that statement beforehand in praying through this scene because it really got me um, to consider the reality of what would it be like, just on a natural human level, to sit next to the side of someone realizing that they were beginning to breathe their last breaths. like, And all the memories that would go through your mind, all the experiences you had with that person, all the dramatic memories, you know, all the hardships, but also all the beautiful times and the fun and um, the life that was shared with that person and to be sitting with them realizing it's now coming to a close, right? It's all now starting to be finished and you can't really weigh the nature of a full life in that moment. There's no words to describe what that feeling is, yet there was someone standing next to the foot of the cross who was actually doing just that. Yeah, yes. And, you know, in the Stabat Mater, we'll pray, Christ above in torment hangs. She beneath beholds the pangs of her dying glorious son. And I was just drawn to that place with Mary um, to, to just be with her at the foot of the cross, beholding Jesus. And how hard that must have been. And as she looks at him, seeing, yeah, like you were saying, seeing all those moments of of their life shared, all the things that they'd been through together, all the things that she'd watched him do in his life. And now to watch him die, um, to behold him in this moment, and how difficult that must have been in the profound grief and heartache there. Um, but yet she beholds him. Um, she doesn't look away. Um, you know, she, and, and it's, but it's hard to behold, hold the pangs, but just the beauty in Mary, the staying there and beholding Jesus to resisting, resisting the temptation to look away. Um, and then another, the other little piece of that, that just struck me was of her dying glorious son. And as Mary beholds Jesus on the cross, like she sees the death, but she also sees the glory because um, in that moment he is he is dying, but also 
glorious. Yeah, and so there's this invitation right away from the beginning um, in this reality of all was now coming to a close, all was now coming to a finish that Mary beheld and didn't look away and didn't shy away. And so there's this invitation right away to behold the gravity of what Good Friday means, especially as we approach actually celebrating it, but to not look away and to realize that she was measuring out the weight of the glory as well as the death. As we said yesterday, most people surrounding him would have just seen an execution and so would have just been beholding the justice of the death. But um, for her, she's beholding uh, an intense amount with seeing the glorious nature of of the death as well. And so um, I'd invite us to just kind of pray with that reality and to stay that you, you said stay there, to behold there as we go through the rest of the station, realizing that all was now coming to a close, all was now finished. And I think just to enhance our prayer a little bit here, uh, there's an additional reality to this idea of being now finished, especially when Christ cries out in John 19, it is finished right after receiving the wine from from the hyssop branch. And and so uh, we're invited to, prior to praying Psalm 118, realize that these were the very words that he would have prayed as he left the Last Supper. So I just draw our attention to that to realize that there was still something left unfinished as he walked out of the Last Supper. Um, And the reality that this would have been a traditional prayer at the heart of the Passover liturgy, which was what the Last Supper was. It was a celebration of the Passover. And so a few things that appear within a Passover, to spare us all the details, is multiple cups of wine, some bitter herbs, an actual hyssop branch appears within there, um, as well as, of course, a lamb that was sacrificed and consumed. You had to consume the lamb. And then the last cup was called the cup of consummation. And so after that cup, they would have they would have ended the Passover liturgy, but there's the realization that Jesus prays and doesn't fully end the Passover, and they walk out into the night to go to the Garden of Gethsemane to actually continue what was not yet finished. Um, Jesus actually says at the Last Supper, I will not consume the cup again until I consume it in my Father's kingdom. If you go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, multiple times he references letting a chalice or a cup pass from him, like there's still a chalice left to drink, there's still a cup left to drink. And then we approach going all the way through everything that we've explored thus far. We've explored his um, going through his, uh, between Pilate and Herod, so the trial, the conviction to death, the scourging, the crowning with thorns, the walking, the falling, the three times, everybody who he's encountered along the way, and he still has to drink one last drink of wine um, in order to finish the Passover liturgy. There still has to be a lamb that sacrificed to finish what was started on the night of Holy Thursday. And so I just kind of highlight all that. So when we see this, I th- realizing it was all now finished, he said, I thirst. I s- still have to drink something. There's a bowl of vinegar and wine there. They took a sponge of on a hyssop branch, right? And when Jesus had received this, he cried out, it is finished, and bowed his head and gave up the spirit, completing the words that would have been started in Psalm chapter 118 as they left the Last Supper. And so I just invite uh, us to consider all that, um, realizing that 
what has been started on Holy Thursday is now coming to a finish actually on Good Friday as he drinks the last cup, the cup of consummation. He's actually fulfilling the Passover liturgy as he becomes the lamb that was missing there at the Last Supper. Um, and so there's this like sort of completion of what was begun with the apostles in the upper room. And he actually there is a completion here of, of like the scriptures as such, right? We hear this phrase as Catholics all the time, in fulfillment of the scriptures or in accordance with the scriptures. Is like now when he cries, it is finished, something about that reality is coming right up into our faces, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's so many, as we talk about like the fulfillment of the scriptures, there's so many um, prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah, about who he was, about what he would say and do, about how he would live and how he would die. And we see Jesus just um, fulfilling each of them, revealing that he's the Messiah, he's the Savior, but even more so like he's He's our Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at, th- at this moment, as Jesus hangs on the cross, it's so significant for, for us. It's so significant for all of humanity. It's significant for, for me particularly. Um, and, you know, we mentioned Mary, Mary earlier at the foot of the cross, um, beholding the pangs of her son and just leads me and well, and as she's, so she's there and she's beholding and she's remembering their history. And now she's seeing, um, both his death and his glory. And so it just leads me to consider it like when we behold Jesus on the cross, mm-hmm. like who, who is it that we see? Do we see a friend, someone we know? Do we see someone we love? Do we see our Savior? Do we see our own salvation history there um, on the cross, the, fu- the fulfillment of our own story that we've, in some mysterious way, we've been living? And as Jesus completed the scriptures, like he also completes the story of my salvation and the story of who I I'm destined to become. Yeah, I love that because uh, what you just said is like, do I see my salvation history coming to a completion as well? Because we say salvation history a lot of times and almost in this like sort of objective abstract way of everything that's happened in the Old Testament. And you even say like there's all these prophecies of what a Messiah should be would be like and what he must go through. And so we can look at those things from a very like, Stand, stood back standpoint and realized, yes, the fulfillment of the scriptures was happening because he was fulfilling what the Messiah was supposed to be like. He was fulfilling prophecies. He was fulfilling covenants and history here. But you also draw our attention to this fact of he's not just fulfilling objective, abstract salvation history. He's he's fulfilling my story and my story is coming to a completion there. And the reality of, I love what you just said, like who I'm destined to become at the end of that. And, um, I just also draw our attention a little bit to that reality of it is finished. There's a Latin phrase here, consumatum est. It it literally means it is consummated. Like there's the mystery of the gospel of John is he doesn't just present this as like a Passover liturgy, but he presents this as like a wedding banquet. He presents like bridal chamber imagery going on here. And it is consummated is is a bridal term. There's a completion of an actual wedding going on here too. Um, When he fully 
gives himself to his bride. And I just like want to, we'll see more about that tomorrow as, um, as, as his side is pierced with the lance. But I, I don't want us to miss the reality of when you say um, who I'm destined to become is not only is he becoming fully the Messiah, fully the Savior at that point, but he's also becoming like the bridegroom because the church is destined to become his bride. The church is destined to become his spouse. And at that moment, he fully gives himself not just to people in an abstract way, but to me, and I receive him, I, I give myself back to him on that cross. If I can fully behold him as Mary did, is like I'm also becoming wedded to my Lord there. I'm also becoming wedded to my Savior there. And so um, there's something profound there about he's completing the fulfillment of the scriptures, but he's completing the story of who I'm destined to become as one who can fully give myself back to him because he fully gave himself to me at this moment. And um, and so so I just bring all our attention to that for the sake of prayer and the mystery of, of what this John chapter 19 actually means. But to really circle back around to the beginning, um, we also can't get lost in the abstract, theological, beautiful nature of completing a Passover and the bridal chamber imagery, but to realize there's a real human being with a real human body and soul who is really dying here right now. And this is, this is something that Mary beheld at the foot of his cross when she weighed the weight of his life. And so we have to grapple with the fact that this is a real death going on. Like there's a real separation of a real body and a real soul and a real dead body hanging on the cross that day. And sort of um, as we approach this psalm to realize that that's, this isn't something abstract, this isn't just something theological, that to behold his real death at that moment. Yeah, yeah. And as you know, there's something that I love so much about as we as we see the psalm and we're reminded of these words as he prayed as he left the Last Supper. Like it kind of just led me back to go back in time a little bit to the Last Supper and um, like just to consider what was in Jesus's heart at that at that moment, knowing he was leaving the Last Supper, knowing that um, he still had to sacrifice himself, that things had been set in motion, but there was still so much ahead of him. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what was in Jesus's heart. I don't presume um, to know, but just to like prayerfully consider uh, what was there as he took the words of the psalm at that point and made them a prayer as he prayed them. Um, you know, perhaps there was anticipation or maybe he was preparing for all that he would, you know, he would suffer. Um, but just considering what that prayer might have been like at the beginning of this of this journey, and then now, you know, and how did the the psalm in that moment console him then? And then, as we see him now, um, we're asking we're asked to consider him praying the same psalm as he hangs on the cross, um, as it's finished, as. You know, and now we see Jesus returning to the words of Psalm 118. Like I'm drawn again to consider, like, what's in his heart now? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the prayer now? Like he's lived this in a very real way. Mm -hmm. um, and how do these words, the psalm, the psalm of gratitude, console Jesus now? Like at the moment of his death. Mm -hmm. um, and so I like that consideration that you invite us to, right prior to praying this uh, 12 station, which is. Like, consider his real humanity. Um, consider him, yes, as 
Messiah who fulfills the scriptures. Yes, his Passover lamb. Yes, his bridegroom who's wedding himself to the church. But consider his real humanity. Like he was praying this psalm. He really was praying this psalm as he walked out of Last Supper. He was really praying this psalm there that day on the cross. And so um, we're invited to really consider the weight of that, especially as we put ourselves in Mary's place to behold him and to not look away as we pray this. So let's pray. Um, the twelfth station, Jesus dies on the cross together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. Because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A bowl of vinegar stood there, so they put a sponge full of the vinegar on a hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let us contemplate Jesus praying Psalm 118 as he hangs upon the cross, recalling how these were the very words he prayed as he left the Last Supper. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. With the Lord on my side, I do not fear. What can man do to me? I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Christ above in torment hangs, she beneath beholds the pangs of her dying glorious Son. Pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.